thanks for joining me in Sheffy's Sandbox. I'm April Don Scheffler, and I invite you to play with me and my guest today, Dana Augustine. Welcome, Dana. Thank you. Well, in this segment, we pop into a virtual coffee house before hitting the beach. And being the oh-so-benevolent host that I am, your order's on me. So what order do you give the barista? Ooh, well... I think today I would get an iced espresso. Mm, nice. Maybe with some sugar-free vanilla. I'm feeling spicy. Perfect. <laughs> Before we started recording, I was telling Dana, the listeners might find this somewhat funny. I was having an interesting slash challenging, let's just be real, challenging week I was going to say day, but it's been a challenging week. And I went to pick up my to-go order and I ended up getting someone else's drink at the pickup counter. So if Genesis is listening, I apologize for (laughs) grabbing your drink. Okay. Well, now Dana, that you have your refreshing beverage, let's dive right in. Sometimes living one's purpose and going through this human experience can look like playing small, but there are other times where it can look like playing big. So in your spotlight moments, Dana, have there been any claims to fame, times that our listeners may have seen you or your work? Hmm, Possibly. So I've only been doing astrology and kind of mystical work, I guess you could call it, for about a year. So I'm pretty new to this still. So I don't know if people really know me a whole lot when it comes to that kind of thing, but I've been a teacher for 10 years. And I feel like that's kind of been my claim to fame. I've gotten an award once from a student. That was pretty cool. And I sell my curriculum online as well. So that is probably how people would know me in the real world, quote unquote. But yeah, I don't know. I think I kind of fly under the radar most of the time. I feel like I sort of go unnoticed for whatever reason, typically. I totally hear you, Dana. <laughs> <laughs> Holy moly, because I think what you do and I think what I do is pretty fantastic, but it doesn't seem sometimes where it's quite getting the traction that I may have been led to believe that if I did A, B, and C, then it would by necessity equal this this thing, this product. (laughs) And so it has been for me an experience of, do I really like what I'm doing because I need to like it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) And because if the payout, so to speak, is not what I thought it was, am I still enjoying the process because of what it is and what it brings to me personally? So it's been, yeah, interesting. Yeah. What is your human design profile? My profile is one, four. A one, four. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let me know if this is correct, but the one is the investigator, right? It likes to, which helps you so much with your astrology studies, I'm sure. And then the four is, isn't that where your community is kind of like the ones who draw you out and it's that network and your connections that bring you forth into that limelight, so to speak. Absolutely. So I am so happy in my small way to be one of those people in your network to bring you forward to the public eye so they can see how marvelous you are. Thank you. (laughs) I'm 
Side note here, I was watching your video on YouTube about the Sagittarius full moon, which is today, for those who are listening, it's going to be, of course, released later, but we're recording on the Sagittarius full moon, and I was watching the video last night, and I had never seen this before, but in the middle of the chart is the, the video of your face so you're talking to a, to the, the the watcher from the middle of the chart is that something that the software that you use provided or was that something that you yourself made happen yeah so I use Descript to record and edit and you can make your video different shapes so I just chose the circle and it happened to fit in the wheel. <laughs> so I was like, cool, that seems like a good spot for that. It was perfect. Like I said, I had never seen that before. I wasn't expecting it. And I'm like, of course, this is naturally where someone's face should be if they're talking about a chart. <laughs> it should be from the center of the of the wheel. Instead of this little rectangle off to the side, mm -hmm. it should be speaking to you from the middle <laughs> of the chart. Well, it's, it's funny because I actually recorded that video like four or five times yesterday because I would record it and then the sound would be off or it would only record me and not the screen share. So that was the fourth or fifth time that I had recorded. And I was like, oh, what? Maybe I should put myself here because I had myself off to the side. So I'm glad that that was the one that made the cut. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. It just seemed playful. And like I said, I hadn't seen it before. So it was really fun. I was like, cool. this is how everyone needs to do this from now on. <laughs> <laughs> so full moons. I was thinking about this today in that they often have this glamour associated with them as in this is the full expression and bloom of the intention you set at the new moon when really it's, it's an opposition also at the same right. time. Right. And oppositions, you would so much more about this, but it's like, from what I've heard, it's kind of like a tug of war where neither side is winning, so to speak, but they're both kind of lending their energy and yes, this tug of war. So like I said, people are not going to be listening to this on the full moon, but there will be full moons in the future. So <laughs> is there anything that you can tell the listeners about new moons and full moons and kind of like how to live cyclically? Yeah. Okay. Well, a lot to say, but you're right that, yes, I agree that the full moon is yeah, glamorize is a good word for it. And often looked at in a vacuum instead of in the context of the whole cycle, which you brought up too. Like, I think it's really important that we think about the full moon in terms of the entire lunar cycle, right? So that whatever we planted at the new moon, this is, as you said, like the full expression, but you're right that it is an opposition. So yeah, oppositions can create a tug of war and they also invite balance. So it's helpful when we have an opposition to think about what is opposing what, not only planetary, planetarily speaking, but also the signs that these planets are in. So for the sun and the moon, I think that especially because sun sign astrology is usually the gateway into this deeper awareness of what astrology really is. It's ironic that often the sun sign is really the most elusive. Like I think people don't actually know what the sun indicates sometimes. And if you just Google it, you're going to see a ton of different keywords that almost seem totally different from each other. So the way I like to think about it, 
the sun and the moon are the two luminaries. And I like to think about them together too. I think it helps really elucidate what they do. So the sun is your spirit. It's your unique gifts. It's that part of you that doesn't change. And it also, I should say, I study and practice mostly Hellenistic ancient astrology, which is different than modern astrology in a lot of ways. But one of the key differences is that the chart and the astrological cycles are not just about you personally and your psychology. They're about the context of your life and the environment. So they can speak to things that are happening outside of you. So it can be about your inner experience, but it's also about what's happening around you. So that's just kind of a, a side note that I feel like is important to say. And going back to the sun, the sun is your, your spirit, which is an inner experience, but it's also the plot line of your life. It's the themes that come up over and over again. So that's how it might show up externally. Whereas the moon is your embodied state. It is your emotions and how you're feeling on a day-to-day -day basis, but it's also, again, like your fortune, the things you experience in your body, it's literally your body as well. And what really helps me solidify that in my mind is thinking about what the sun and the moon actually do. So the sun always has light, right? It's very predictable. It's going to rise and set every single day, just like your spirit, just like that part of you that never changes. Whereas the moon waxes and wanes and it's reflecting the light of the sun. So that's sort of similar to what's happening in your body, right? Your body is just a body unless it's illuminated with spirit. So in that way, the sun is kind of lived out through the moon, if we're speaking in metaphors. And you can think about that with your chart too. Like I have a Pisces sun. So part of my spirit is very hopeful. It's very much about ascendance and connection and those kinds of things. But I live that out through my moon, which is in Gemini. So I'm learning, I'm curious, I'm talking to people, right? And that's sort of where I see my one four to kind of take it back to that question you asked earlier. So to take it back to the full moon, if we've got the spirit, the sun opposing the body, we can think of it as a tug of war and it can feel like that, or it can be an invitation for balance of those two things. So we're feeling full of spirit. We're feeling perhaps just like a lot of energy, right? It might be as simple as that. I think especially people that work with the public, I've certainly noticed this as a teacher, the full moons are crazy, crazy, crazy. People are crazy on the full moons. Why? Because we have the volume all the way up on both of the luminaries, the sun and the moon. So that was a little windy and long-winded, but that's sort of how I think about full moons and how I think about the sun and the moon as well. The way I understood this, because I think we often hear things through our own lens, <laughs> what I heard was that we don't really understand our sun sign. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes. And that's, that's totally me because... My son sign is in cancer and for so long, I haven't really identified with that at, at all, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's been really interesting. I identify more probably with my rising, mm -hmm. which is Scorpio or even my moon sign, which is in Taurus, but maybe not so much the, the sun. So I was trying to absorb as much as, as I could understand about what you were saying about the sun being our, our soul, our, our essence in uh -huh, a way, uh -huh, uh -huh. and how the moon is more of an embodied state of being. Absolutely. And how that essence is translated or reflected through the moons, the moon sign. 
So yeah, I'm going to sit with that and see in what ways some of the Cancerian qualities I'm translating that or putting that through the, the Taurus microphone. (laughs) I think that experience of not really identifying with your sun sign is really common because it's very subtle. And I think, I mean, I don't think this is true for you, but I think most of us are not really connected to that part of ourselves. It takes work. It takes conscious effort. It takes time alone. It takes inner reflection. It takes cultivating a spiritual life essentially to really identify with that. And I had that experience as well. I definitely did not identify with my Pisces sun. And when I first started learning about astrology and I learned that I was a Libra rising, that really helped me understand why I didn't identify with my sun sign. For me though, it was about like kind of being in the shadow of Libra where I was people pleasing and I really didn't have a sense of identity at all. And that was kind of the beginning of my healing journey, but it doesn't have to be that. I don't know. It's not always like that for people, but I just think it takes a lot of effort sometimes to, to understand the gifts of your sun sign. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that that definitely applies to me as well. It's tapping into the places that are nurturing and caring and not seeing those as places of weakness. And then also with the, the crab wanting to sometimes get away, coming to peace with that part of it as well. And that I need to find balance and accept my, my feelings, whatever they are. Sometimes they're not so great. (laughs) Yeah. I could see someone having Mars as their chart ruler, which would be you having a hard time with that. There might be some, and, and yeah, like the tendency of the crab to be a little more closed off, to be a little bit more perhaps defensive. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think that a Mars ruled person would. I take everything so personally. It's ridiculous. (laughs) I confessed to a close friend about how I took something and I knew the person that said something did not mean it in this way at all. But I was like, here's just a little insight into what's going on in my head. I totally took it this way, the worst way possible. I took it so personally. And I, yeah, I really wish that's something I can release is taking everything so personally. I mean, it goes back to the four agreements. I keep hearing that too. It's one of the four agreements is to Mm -hmm. not take things personally. And that is so hard for me. (laughs) The thing about the chart is, I don't know about you, but when I first started learning about my chart, I was like, okay, I had this approach. I wanted to kind of hack my life. I wanted to get all the the pieces to the puzzle. And if I could just put this puzzle together, everything's going to be great. Mm -hmm. And that's not really how it works. Like it's, these are the lessons of a lifetime. So it is going to be something that we have to work with constant, constantly, maybe not. I hope not, but over and over again, these things are going to come up and that's the work of a lifetime. So I think part of it too, is just learning to be patient with ourselves. Okay. I'm gonna, we're going to bookmark this because I have so many more questions. Okay. So if I need help remembering where we bookmarked it, remind me about Saturn. Okay. That's where we're going to come okay. back. Okay. But before we get any further, I totally skipped over the linguistic tag portion. So I need to leave some of the interview left over for you be, to be able to use your word that you're given. <laughs> Guests are asked to choose a word or phrase that they would like to hear used more often in everyday conversation, something that doesn't get enough play or enough airtime. The prior guest chose razzle dazzle. 
So you are tasked to try and somehow fit that into our conversation today, okay? I can do that. (laughs) Now, you also get to choose a word for the next guest to dance with. And it could be a peculiar word that you find funny or just something that's resonating with you. So what are you laying down for them to pick up? Well, before, I mean, you told me that this was coming, but I think I misunderstood the assignment because I thought it was just any word. So I had a random word chosen, not super random, but I'm going to kind of switch that now and pick a word that I feel like people need to kind of embody right now. And that is trust. So it's not like a special word, but I feel like it's a word that's just on my mind right now. That's something that people, I feel like the collective needs to embody. So we're going to go with trust. Oh, Dana, I think that's, I think it's meant for me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh, I used to, I used to have this saying that I had heard somewhere and I took it on in my early adulthood as one of my own little mottos saying, you can't trust anyone, especially yourself. (laughs) That is a horrible, horrible way to live. But that just shows you where my relationship was with trusting myself, my body, my intuition, everything. And it was, it was not good. (laughs) So this gives me a moment to reflect and see how far I've come, but just that word of trust triggered that moment of reflection of like exactly how different things are. And I've realized that I need to be able to trust myself the mostest. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And be my best friend. And, and I think that comes from, I've also going down another rabbit hole with this whole masculine and feminine energy and this binary that's kind of taking prominence in a lot of conversations in the spirituality front is that I have, I've, I don't know, I've started realizing that the feminine energy within us needs to be able to trust the masculine energy within us. If the masculine part of us makes a promise, it needs to follow through on that promise to ourselves. Mm. Otherwise we begin to not trust that part of ourselves. So another thing is don't make promises that you're not going to be able to keep so that you're not sabotaging this relationship you're beginning to create with yourself. So I don't know, that's, that's something that I'm, I'm contemplating and dancing with here recently is creating that trust within yourself first, yeah. and then you're going to be able to perhaps trust other people. And it also speaks to, I, I pulled a card this morning from one of my Oracle decks and it's called whispers of the ocean. Mm-hmm. And it was talking about how I have a whole support system. And so to me, that also speaks to trust and that I'm not alone. I'm not being called to do this life by myself. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I can just kind of relax into that. I I just want to say something about what you're saying, because I feel like it's really important. I think that this is a common experience to feel kind of, and I'm not saying you are, but we go through so much all of us have been through so much and we have reasons from the past to not trust, but it's our work to learn to trust again. And we absolutely must trust ourselves. We are not going to be able to trust anybody else. And what you were saying about the feminine and the masculine, I I think a lot of us are really out of touch with our feminine, which is really just to say the ability to receive 
the ability to, to open and receive. We're closed off. It's giving me like nine of wands, right? Don't, don't come close. And if we can't do that with ourselves, we are not going to be able to do that with anyone else. And I just think it's so critical. And for you to, it, it does seem like you've come so far. So celebrate that because again, this is the work of a lifetime. So we got to be kind to ourselves and, and just recognize that this is not easy, but it's worth it. So I just had to say that. <laughs> now going to the bookmark of Saturn. Well, not quite there. Let's go to when you said that life can be difficult and that you couldn't speak to, to me. I'm like, oh, Dana, of course you can. You read my chart. <laughs> and everything you said seemed so spot on. I was blown away and it felt very vulnerable in a way. And I don't know why yeah. it seems surprising because I've had this experience happen before, but it just, it strikes me as surprising and inspiring each time like wow how can someone know that from my chart and I feel like you probably know me probably better than a lot of people do just from having your knowledge of astrology and then looking at how that plays out in my life the tools that I'm working with and the challenges that I face I feel like you're probably coming to this conversation with us not having really met before so much better equipped to understand me than people I've I've been in their life for 40 years. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like, yeah. but, but if you overstep, I'll tell you data, but okay. <laughs> one of the things when you talked about difficult pasts and we, we each have challenges and that is so true. It reminded me of what you said though, in my natal chart reading, which I aired for the listeners was how I may have been in the foster system because you saw a lot of maybe moving in my past. And mm -hmm. I was like, wow, no, I wasn't in the foster system, but I moved so many times. It was ridiculous. I actually created a, a spreadsheet one time and tried to piece together all the places I've lived and the times where I was housing insecure, there were lots of, lots of different places because <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> anything permanent. And a lot of that was during my childhood of, of moving around a whole lot. So I think it was like over 35 times that I've moved in my life. And I've been in this wow. house now, probably the longest I have ever been in, in one place. So that that's something, there's something to be said for that. Um, and then there were other things that you were talking about in my chart about how Saturn seemed to have a lot of energy there, a lot of sway. Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking about how I do feel overly responsible for mm. everyone in my life and everything. And it's not even necessarily my shit to worry about or right. my, my stuff to take on, but yet I still take it on. And that has been one of the things that I have really seen in myself the, in the past two years and actively worked with is what if it's not mine letting it go <laughs> good <laughs> and even when I have been asked to do certain things not jumping in and being that superman that comes in and saves the day and puts the weight of the bulk of the work on my shoulders but mm -hmm. setting really 
good boundaries or expectations rather as to, okay, this is what I would gladly do. This is where I have enough energy and stuff and I can, I can do this part of it. And then the rest of it, you're going to have to find someone else to do it or et cetera. And so that has been, it's been a much better for me in that way is, and I think it also goes to my three, five profile in human design, that five being a projected energy and people having either a love hate relationship with me and realizing because it's on my unconscious side that it's something that I'm not necessarily aware of that five energy. Mm-hmm. And I need to, as much as I love fixing things, I feel like I'm a fixer. Like that's what I, mm-hmm. I love to do. I love to be, yeah. When it goes, speaks to that, the people pleasing that you were talking about for yourself, Dana, it's like, I love to be able to be of service to other people and be like, Oh, mm-hmm. April, you were the one who came through and saved the day and we love you. (laughs) But yeah, just being able to set expectations as to reasonable expectations as to what I'm capable of doing, even at work, because I could let that get so far out. I've realized when something like my, my boss will say something and I'm like, I have, I have to be upfront. I have no clue. Whereas before, when I was in my early 20s, starting out as an administrative assistant or receptionist, you weren't supposed to tell someone you didn't know how to do something. It was always, I can learn or I can figure it out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. now I've been trying to shift that. And sure, maybe I could learn and figure it out, but I need to be upfront and be like, I have no experience with this before. I can give it my best shot, but... There's no telling how it's going to work out. (laughs) So Saturn is not my chart ruler. That is Mars, like you said. Uh So can you explain to the listeners why Saturn is such a big part of my chart and then how they might be able to identify the big players in their own chart? Is it because Saturn is in its own house its own comfy little house or so okay great questions let's talk first about your Saturn and that will kind of actually no let's talk generally and then we'll apply it to your Saturn so when we look at a chart we're looking at the elements right and most of us if we don't know anything about astrology we know that there's houses signs and planets What we may not know is that different planets do better or worse in different signs and different houses. So this is called dignity in traditional astrology and Hellenistic astrology. And there's more than four types. We're going to talk about four right now. So there's two that are helpful and two that are not so helpful. The two that are helpful are domicile and exaltation. So the domicile, like you said, is like the planet's house. Sometimes we refer to it as the house that the planet rules. And I'm going to use the word house. This might be confusing for people. In in Hellenistic astrology, we use whole sign houses. So if you just go to astro charts right now and look up your chart, it's probably going to default to Placidus, which will have the signs not all be equal. Like you might have 35 degrees in one sign and, and 25 in another or whatever. All this to say for ancient astrologers, there was no distinction between house and sign because 
Your whole first house for you specifically, for example, is Scorpio. Then your whole second house is Sagittarius. So when I say Mars lives in Scorpio, that is Mars's home. What I'm saying is that's the temple of Mars, right? And for you, that's in your first house. So sorry if this is a little confusing, but this is just all to say there are certain places where planets feel good. The, the signs that they rule are called their domiciles or their houses. And then there's other places where they are quote unquote exalted. And that's like being at your best friend's house. You feel good there. It's not your house, but it's a house that you do well in. So again, for Mars, for example, that's Capricorn. Mars does not rule Capricorn, Saturn does, but the energy of Capricorn is conducive for Mars, we could say. On the other hand, there are the places, the signs that planets don't do so well in. The sign that's opposite the planet's home is the sign of its detriment. So for example, if Mars's home sign is Scorpio, the opposite sign is Taurus. So Mars, <clears throat> Mars is in detriment in Taurus. Similarly, the sign opposite its exaltation is the sign of its fall or its exile. So if Mars is exalted in Capricorn, that means it's in its fall in the opposite sign of Cancer. So why do we need to know this? Because if we're looking at a chart, we're trying to figure out what it all means. We need to know how well or not well a planet is going to do in a particular place. So for you, your Saturn is in Libra and Saturn is exalted in Libra. The energy of Libra is very conducive to Saturn. And why is that? Because Libra is the sign of the scales and Saturn knows how to divide. So it helps. It's, it's a, again, a conducive energy for Saturnine things of creating containers, separating, dividing, creating boundaries, building structures, that kind of thing. How are we doing so far? <laughs> Cause I know this is a lot. <laughs> yeah, we're doing good. Okay. So for you, like there's a little bit more to it though. There is the dignity aspect that Saturn's got this exalted place in your chart. But as I mentioned earlier, planets also do better in certain houses. So it's called planetary rejoicing. So Saturn rejoices in the 12th house and your Saturn is in your 12th house. So it's got even more power, we could say in the 12th house and it's exalted. So it's got a lot of strength. And then the last thing that I don't know if I said in your chart reading or not, is that you have a daytime chart. You were born in the daytime. And when planets that are the diurnal or daytime planets are the sun, Jupiter and Saturn. And when those planets are above the horizon, AKA in the daytime part of the chart, they get a little boost as well. So that's also the case for your chart because it's Saturn and Jupiter actually are above the horizon line. So long story short or long story long, I guess we could say is that Saturn is as powerful as it could possibly be in your chart. Mm, okay. Yeah. Which explains why some of the things that we have the most issues with are often the things that are our lessons, <laughs> the things that we need to look at. Yes. And I've had this, this complicated relationship with Saturn and I, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like Saturn's rules. I don't like its discipline, which is really interesting because I feel as though I'm a very, maybe it was my, my Taurus energy that I fixed. I, I, I feel yeah. like there's a part of me that is very steadfast and likes rules in a certain way, 
but I like that to be very internally driven as opposed to, I don't know, Saturn to me, I get I haven't studied astrology in depth, but to me, it seems like a very external force, kind of like authority figures, which I don't do well with. <laughs> Maybe that's the Uranus in my first house. I have no idea. I'm just grasping here. But yeah, it seems like a very external force to me. And I, I feel a lot of internal pushback against, against that. And it seems to me, I've kind of been blaming that Saturn-Jupiter conjunction in my chart for, I feel like I have all these great ideas and these projects. And with my Mars, I like make things happen and I do things but there's no bang for my buck. It's like everything seems to be stunted or, and so I feel like in those Kung Fu movies, it's Saturn right there. And it's that, that silent teacher who will like let you hit something until your knuckles are bloody yeah. into the yeah. next day. And sure, they, they may love you, but they also kind of get this sick pleasure out of <laughs> breaking you in the process. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, Dana, it goes back to what you were saying earlier about whether it's astrology or any of these modalities that I have completely just immersed myself in every time with the hope of that fixing, fixing my life, being able to, mm. what, what you I can't remember the word that you use, but like cheat code or hack. Yeah. Hack my life and be like, okay, now I figured it out. I know the secret sauce, what makes the universe turn, what makes me work. And if I could just get the ingredients, right, I'm going to have this thing called life down and I'll be a success air quotes. I'll feel Mm -hmm. successful project the in human design, the projector theme of success, but yeah. So I think that's what I have jumped into all these modalities is trying to hack life. So I think that's kind of even what I was doing when I reached out to you after the reading and I'm like, okay, Dana, what can I do with Saturn? (laughs) Since it is such a, a huge player in my life. And I really feel that on a daily basis. (laughs) Is there anything in my chart that would hack this? Tell me how to effectively work with Saturn and not see it as this Kung Fu movie of this silent, disapproving master. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think this is a good conversation for anybody with a dynamic in their chart that they feel is difficult. And I will say all of us have that there, everybody, there's no perfect chart. Everybody's got something in their chart that they're like, shit, I really wish that this wasn't my thing. (laughs) And I think this is maybe a helpful thing to say. This is why I really like the the Hellenistic perspective, because it's not just your psychology. This is the karmic context of your life. So it's, it's for you, not to you, right? Which is kind of annoying if you're like, yeah, but I really don't want this to be, (laughs) but, but it does help because you can't not work with it. I mean, you could, and then just be vaguely unhappy, (laughs) but, um, As far as your Saturn goes, I think the fact that it's in the 12th house is really important to remember. You were talking about, I guess if I had to say it with my words, like victorious moments feeling kind of elusive. And that's a very 12th house experience. It is known as the house of self-undoing and it's very elusive. It's very much in the subconscious. 
So when I think of this Saturn presence in your chart, as far as how it might be affecting you in your quote unquote self undoing, not that that's what you're doing, but we all do that to some extent, right? It's, it's a limitation of some sort. And it actually takes me back to what you were talking about, about wanting to fix because Jupiter is here, wanting to be this helpful presence, right? Cause that's what Jupiter is that that might actually limit you a little bit because what that does is it limits your resources. If you're giving to everyone else constantly, you have nothing left for yourself. So Saturn is actually in a really good place here, even though Saturn is known as a malefic, quote unquote, this planet that kind of makes things more challenging. And it does. Saturn also helps us a lot. And what it's helped you do is recognize where you need boundaries. That's very Saturnine. So Saturn's not just here to F your life up, <laughs> right? It's, it's well-placed and it can really help you kind of set boundaries it can also help you not self undo, I would think. It can help you say, okay, what I want XYZ to be my goal. Here's what I'm going to do to get there. And kind of just allowing the structures to support you. And the last thing I'll say is kind of back to the idea of the trying to kind of hack life. It is great to use the chart for self development, self awareness. That's certainly how I approach it. But I think it's also important to remember that we work with the chart in our daily lives in the present moment. It's not something that we can do in the future. So I just think it's really important for us to cultivate a mindfulness practice when we're doing this, because the planets are going to reveal themselves right now, not tomorrow, right? That's where we're going to see how they're showing up for us, especially with the transits. So for you in Libra season, that's going to be an important time to be extra mindful because that's where Saturn and Jupiter are for you. Notice how they're showing up for you. And that's going to give you a breadcrumb trail for what are the lessons I'm meant to learn here. And that will tell you, that will inform you how to work with those planets. Yep. It, it keeps coming back to the present moment. And I think I just have a lot of things happening up in my head where mm-hmm. I try to constantly strategize and have a plan forward. And I'm constantly being reminded that everything is the now. There is no past. There is no future. It's just this moment. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it's hard. It's, it it's is hard. Difficult. Yeah, it is. Another thing that you mentioned in my reading that it kind of opened up a wound <laughs> that I... I think I'm going to get a little teary about it now was this whole idea of separation. Hmm. I think there were things in the chart, but I think you were also really allowing intuition to flow through and kind of let that seep up in between the lines. And it was really speaking to me. I have always felt this really deep, intense separation, regardless of what it is that I'm going through. And yeah, I had to just kind of sit with that and be like, that has definitely been my experience. So can you tell us from my chart, like where, where that is? Yes. It's the 12th house. I'm sorry to keep bringing it up. That house, other than being the house of self undoing, it is also the place of separation. So Oftentimes it'll indicate people in hospitals, people in jail, people who are somehow on the margins. And because there is so much strong 
Saturnine energy there, which already creates division. That was really coming up for me. And I want to say too, the beautiful thing about that is that, and here's how you work with it too, actually. This is such a deep felt experience for you. This so intimately, this feeling of feeling separate or feeling isolated, perhaps. And a beautiful expression of the 12th or planets or energy in the 12th is being able to advocate for others. So this is how the the harder things on our charts can be gifts. Because we experience whatever the situation is so deeply for you, separation, you can help other people with that. You become an excellent advocate for people who are on the margins, for people who are isolated or are separate in some way, shape, or form. So that's where I saw it. That's how it kind of came up for me. And especially because Jupiter's there, I really feel like there's the potential for you to be able to support other people who feel like that. It just brings to mind, I love the pattern app. People who have been listening to my podcast or reading my newsletter, they probably get tired of me saying this, but there's something about the pattern app, which is really amazing. And it will give me these really deep reflections. It's like, wow. And one of those said that I have this amazing ability to make people feel seen while maintaining my own boundaries. So when you said that, that kind of jolted that memory of what it had told me where like this, this continuing saga, (laughs) this really deep sense of separation Maybe it has, like you said, gifted me with this ability to help other people who feel the same. While at the same time, you were talking about Saturn with the boundaries, helping me to learn that lesson of, I keep saying lesson, but learn the ability to keep my personal boundaries at the same time and not lose myself trying to help other people. But I can help someone while helping myself too. Yes. Um, Okay. So I had another thing I needed to pick your brain about. Okay. So everyone's ascendant, obviously on the other side, is that called the DC? Yeah. The DC or descendant. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, but my moon is kind of close to there as well. So is there another thing I have felt so often in my experience as a 40 year old adult is a duality, a lot of conflicting emotions. And yeah, there's a lot, I'll feel both ways. It's like a paradox. I'll feel both things. Is there anything about my ascendant and my moon being at kind of opposite sides of the chart that would also speak to how I present myself and at the same time, how I'm feeling or that internal experience that I'm having? Yes. So your moon is in the seventh house in Taurus. The moon is exalted in Taurus. Why? Because the moon likes stability and that's what Taurus is all about. So that's great. And in the seventh house of your committed partnerships and other people, that is speaking to being very empathetic being sort of an emotional sponge, even very able to pick up on the energy in the room and particularly in a one-on-one, right. With the people you're closest with, 
So I could totally see that being something you have to balance because here we are with the opposition again, where it invites balance. It can feel like a tug of war. Like, do I prioritize my feelings? Do I prioritize their feelings? But it could be more of a balancing act. Like, okay, they want this. I want this. Mm -hmm. And really I could see a a lesson in this being figuring out how to tease out who's feeling what, like, is this mine or theirs? So yeah, definitely that could absolutely be the case. Okay. So again, this speaks to balance. I keep hearing the balance and Libra with where the Saturn is, it's all about balance, et cetera. I often like to be black and white and this gray or this balance is kind of difficult for me to achieve in the reading you were talking about with Saturn it's really good at separating yeah and so to me it's either I'm either hot or cold it's either I'm all in or I want nothing to do with (laughs) (laughs) my husband on the other hand he does not burn bridges and have had a lot to learn from just observing how he is in the world accepting people for who they are, where they are. Yeah. And taking a lot of that, that gray and and balancing that out. So, oh gosh, but it seems as though this could also have been copied and pasted from a human design reading because I have a, a completely open solar plexus with no activations. And the whole thing about an open solar plexus is being that sponge and not having any filters about what comes in mm-hmm. and with with no activations at all what i've read is that the thing that you're left with is i don't know what i'm feeling and mm. that has definitely been the case for me sometimes i'll be crying or i'll be anxious and my husband will ask what's wrong and sometimes i honestly do not even know what i'm feeling yeah. <laughs> so I can't tell you if it's me or if it's someone else. I it's I just know that my body is reacting in this this certain way or that I feel tense or so it's getting into this practice of trying to listen to my body's cues and learning to listen to what is it that I need in this moment, this present moment. Yeah. So. I think Another thing too, with the seventh house moon, and this is also making me think of the fact that your Mercury is in retrograde. It is in Gemini though, which is its home sign. Those two elements together are telling me external processing is going to help a lot. It might be really useful for articulating because one of the things with Mercury retrograde is maybe it takes a little more time to articulate things and it may not feel comfortable um, (laughs) externally processing but it can be very helpful because oftentimes stuff of the seventh house, other people are going to be a mirror for you. That gives me so much to think about because yeah, I don't do a lot of external processing. I, I keep it all in until I have it figured out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what happens when I don't have it figured out? I just internalize that stuff and stew on it. But yeah, you're right. It, it can't help but be helpful to do some of that external processing. I just think that some of the lessons, lessons, <laughs> some of the programming we get when we're so young, it's hard to undo that. And so I think 
part of mine was that children should be seen and not heard and unless it was good or through this filter. I always feel like things had to be filtered mm-hmm. and because only certain things were acceptable. So yeah, I just need to be able to process in safe places is what that is. I've been told and I've carried with me this thing of I don't express myself well and that I come across as too forceful or I come across as too blunt Mm. and not considerate of the other person's feelings. That's the messaging that I've gotten. And so that being said, I find it scary almost to express any of my feelings because for one thing, I may not even know how I really feel (laughs) because of that open solar plexus. And then I'm almost positive that it's going to be taken the wrong way, or I'm going to say it in the wrong tone of voice, or it's going to be this sword that cuts people asunder. It's going to be too Mm. cutting, too strong when that's not how I mean it. There's something really fascinating about the words you're picking. So your chart ruler Mars and Mercury retrograde are both in your eighth house in Gemini. Mars cuts, Mars cuts. And so when you're talking about your communication possibly being taken as cutting, like that tracks, that makes a lot of sense. The eighth house can also be a place of anxiety. It's talked about as the place of other people's resources, but it's also other people's esteem. So it can be the place where there's anxiety around how we're being perceived. So again, it all tracks, it all makes sense. So yeah, you, you probably are going to feel anxious about that. And that's why it's not going to feel easy to do, but Gemini loves that Gemini loves communication and a partner. And just one thing too, about not knowing how you feel that's so relatable. That's something I I'm working with myself as well. And I think it's helpful to know that you don't have to have the words all the time, right? If you have a a felt sense of how you're feeling and it's not good, like it's not fun for you, you can say that. You don't have to name it. The name will come eventually. And it might even come as a result of just trying to talk out loud about it. And you can do that in safe ways. You could even just write and then maybe you can kind of do it gradually, right? You don't have to tell everybody. People you trust, I feel like that's really important. I'm sure your husband is great for this, especially it sounds like he's really grounded. So that would be my recommendation is just keep in mind that you might feel really anxious about it and be with yourself because you've got to, you have to be with yourself support yourself through that. And just say, I know it's not comfortable. I know I'm worried about how it's going to be received, but I'm going to try to say what I need to say. And if I don't have the words, that's okay. I will do my best and that will be good enough. Okay. That reminds me that we're, we're going over. We can make this a little, a little faster. But there's one part I don't want to skip over, and that is why, because this is supposed to be showcasing you, and I don't think that this is not showcasing you because I feel by people getting a feel of how you really interact and delve into a chart, this is showing you at your at your best, because I, I feel really nurtured with my reading it was feeling oh, really seen it was awesome maybe not very comfortable because again it opened up some wounds but 
I mean, I knew they were there, but it just felt affirming in a, in a strange way mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. these things were real and that I wasn't just making them up. I think yes. that's what happens, at least in my childhood being reared up, that maybe I was making things out to be a certain way or that I colored them. Somewhere along the lines, I just felt like I was dishonest in a way. It was weird. Yeah. Anyway, so just having these affirmed that I wasn't making shit up and that things were genuinely challenging in certain areas for me and in maybe ways that people who don't understand astrology, maybe they would feel like just just say this mantra or just take this vitamin and you're going to be better, which those can help for sure. I'm not saying they, but they also, I'm sure have challenges that I necessarily wouldn't understand because they're working and I'm working with different sets of, of of stuff, of charts, but (laughs) yeah. So just, I wanted to close out that part by thanking you so much for reflecting back to me things that have been difficult And that was healing in itself. But I want to not miss this opportunity to ask you why in the world astrology, right? Mm -hmm. You're a teacher, you do things very well with creating curriculum, et cetera. What is it about astrology that hooked you? Okay. Well, I will say kind of to take it back to the people pleasing thing. I lived most of my life up until my Saturn return, which is when Saturn comes back to the place in your chart where it was when you were born around 28, 29. Up until that point, I was really living for external validation for kind of like climbing a mountaintop that I never chose. And it took me getting to a tower moment, right? Where everything kind of came crumbling down. So I graduated college. I got a teaching job. I was making shit money. And the guy I was dating at the time got into law school in San Diego. So we moved to San Diego together. A year later, we broke up. Which I would say San Diego is beautiful. (laughs) It is. It, It was lovely. So we broke up and I stayed there for three more years because I wanted to prove something really. And I, I did, I got another teaching job. I got my master's degree. And then I started talking to a guy from home again. It's always about a guy. Guy, right? At least it has been for me. So I ended up moving home. I felt really lonely. I was like, why am I even still here? San Diego's great. I'm making it, but also everybody I love is in St. Louis in the Midwest. So I moved home and that was the beginning of my Saturn return. So one thing about Saturn, we keep coming back to Saturn. Saturn's like the God of famed appearances. So it's like a mirage where it's one thing and then it becomes another. And that was certainly true for that relationship. I got home and I was like, oh God, this is not what I thought it was going to be. So we break up and my life just kind of, I don't know if I want to say deteriorates quickly, but everything I thought was true became untrue. So I came home to be closer to family and then family started changing and I came home to be closer to friends and then friends had all kind of moved on and done their own thing. And I was like, what the hell? Now I'm in the Midwest stuck here at a job I absolutely hated. And it really kind of came to a crescendo when I went to a birthday party in Chicago and 
I drank a lot and had a really scary blackout experience, which was not unusual for me to, to black out, just to be very honest about that. But uh, there was something different about that time. I, I was in the city where I knew two people. And if those two people hadn't helped me get back to a hotel room, anything could have happened to me, right? So I quit drinking and it was really frightening. It was really scary to do because that was something that was constant in my life. I would tell people it was part of my culture. That's how much I was involved in that lifestyle. So after I quit drinking, I was like, let me just say in all transparency that that has also been part of my story was at least for me, it was numbing because I couldn't change anything else. I felt I could change my internal experience and that was numbing. And so alcohol played a huge part of that. It got to the point where if I was going to some type of social activity and there wasn't going to be alcohol there, Mm -hmm. I had some like a sense of anxiety about it. Like how am I supposed to function if I can't numb enough to to, to go be to around these people. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. I, me too. Me too. So it was interesting because I did just stop and I would have never guessed that I could have done that, but I, I was able to do that. And part of that was because COVID happened pretty quickly after. So I didn't have to go to the functions where people would be drinking and I'd have to worry about if anyone would ask me what I was drinking and how I would respond. I didn't really have to deal with that. But what I found after I quit drinking, I went on this wellness journey and I wanted to lose weight and I did for the first time in my life. That was always something I wanted to do. And then I did it. And when I reached that goal, I just had this really hollow feeling of like, even this wasn't for me. That was when I realized that everything I had done up until that point, for the most part was for other people. It wasn't something that I really wanted. And then I was like, oh shit, do I even know who I am? So I had this really intense identity crisis and I was in therapy. That was what was really weird about it and kind of scary. I had been in therapy for two years and and really most of my twenties at that point. So I was like, clearly I need something else. Therapy is helping, but not in this way. I need to get to know myself and I need a modality that will help me get to know myself without anyone else. Because I knew if I was going to be with somebody else at that moment, there was a chance of me slipping into that people pleasing person again. And really I needed to just be with me. And that is when I started working with tarot. I knew about my chart, but I didn't want to, I didn't think that I could do it, but it just kept coming up as like, look at your chart. There's something there. And so I did, this was December of 2020 where I really started researching my chart. And I just, I discovered so much about myself and was able, like you said, to articulate that's the healing quality of the chart is it gives you the words to articulate your experiences and validate the things you've been feeling. I had just felt this vague sense of dissatisfaction in my life. And I didn't know why And I was finally able to put the pieces together and understand why I hadn't felt the razzle dazzle in my life up until that point. (laughs) So then how did you go from learning about your own chart to deciding to take on a two-year program and start reading for other people? Well, right around the time I was learning about my chart, I had also been doing some entrepreneurial things. So summer of 2020, COVID summer, I actually started a farmer's market business. Farmer's markets were still happening in the Midwest in 2020. And that kind of wasn't 
going to work for me anymore, but I knew I wanted to continue this entrepreneurial journey. And I knew I wanted to help people with their healing because one thing about my journey was it was very lonely. I had a huge falling out with my family. I didn't feel connected to any of my friends. When you stop drinking, you really feel separate from people. It's, it's challenging. So Beyond the drinking part, I just knew that coming back home to yourself is really fucking hard. And I wanted to help people with that. So it took me six months though, for me to land on astrology as the modality, because I had this, I have this really strong inner critic that stops me from doing things that I want to do. And again, I knew that I loved astrology. I wanted to study it. I was deeply curious about it, but there was this part of me that was like, you can't do that. And then eventually it became too compelling not to. I was learning, watching my astrology teacher's YouTube channel. It's Nightlight Astrology. And I was just learning so much and thinking, I can do this. I can do this. I want to do this. I can do this. So I joined his program in May of 2021 or June of 2021. And I just finished that first year, I guess a month ago, something, a few few weeks or a month ago. I'm not really sure now. And yeah, I'm moving on to the second year that just started last Sunday. I just had to start believing in myself. Yeah. And then I'm just hearing your words echo from the video I watched last night about how this full moon, sometimes there are these really difficult things and then once we do them, despite our inner critic or whatever we've been told, we then are armed with this fortification of, I did this really hard thing. I can do hard things. And that helps you to do even more hard things going forward. Absolutely. So you're doing hard things and you're doing it elegantly, Dana. It's beautiful. Thank you. Let's, let's go to the Dana's sandbox segment. How can people find out more about you and follow what you're making in your own sandbox? I am on Instagram at selfhelpwitch. My website is selfhelpwitch.com. But yeah, yeah, follow me on Instagram. That's where I'm most active. I have a few different offerings on my website. So right now I offer 30 and 60 minute birth chart readings. I'm actually working on reorganizing that and doing some new things too. The program I'm in right now is all about timing techniques. So soon I'm going to be offering transit readings for people and things like that. I usually talk about the transits anyway in a birth chart reading, but If you're looking for astrology resources, definitely follow me on Instagram and my YouTube channel. I just started doing YouTube. Oh my God. And my podcast, (laughs) like I'm doing, sorry, I'm doing a lot of things and I forget, but yeah, self-help witch on any podcast platform, self-help witch on YouTube, talk a lot about astrology and just kind of how self-help work, which is all just to say like cultivating an awareness of who you are, how that aligns with astrology, ritual, um, There, to me, there's a really interesting synergy between getting to know yourself and being who you're meant to be in the world, which I guess is kind of obvious to people, but (laughs) it might be kind of obvious. I I just think that self-help is spiritual. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. And I like to double click on that in my podcast and talk about cultivating intuition and learning about yourself and how that can really be a self-care practice. So So I have two things to to add to that. One was... I don't think it's all that obvious about how getting that connection between knowing yourself and 
being who you're supposed to be. And I feel that that is a beautiful purpose and calling to, to do that because I was listening to someone's podcast, like maybe it was a week and a half ago now, and they have considerable following and they are considered spiritual. It's a spiritual podcast. And they were talking about what their journey looks like right now. And I just had this aha moment because everything in me was no, because I think honestly, I maybe had placed them on this pedestal Mm -hmm. and whatever they're doing, it can't help but be what I'm supposed to do too. Mm -hmm. But I had this realization in the moment because everything in my body was like that is the opposite of what I'm feeling called to right now and the word picture that came to mind is like you're at a concert and there's someone that has front row tickets or something and you're wanting to follow them through the crowd and you have your eyes zeroed in on them and you're following them and then you realize they went to the bathroom they were headed somewhere different but it was what they needed they needed to go to the restroom but that is not where you needed to be in that moment and so everything within my body was like that seems right but wow just because it's perfect for them and their spiritual journey doesn't mean that that's what I'm being called to do right now if they're being called towards introspection or separation that doesn't necessarily mean that that's what spiritual enlightenment looks like for me. Yes. At least in this moment. And so I just had this realization again, sometimes we have to learn these things in a cyclical manner. (laughs) Every time it comes back around, it hits you yet again, fresh, that we're all on our own journeys. And just because someone is where they're supposed to be, And doing their thing doesn't mean that that's what you're supposed to be doing. And so I love how you said that. And it's not all that clear because that's why we have podcasts and why we listened and and read books is because we see these successful spiritual people. Mm -hmm. If we can just follow in their footsteps, Mm -hmm. we'll achieve what they're achieving and And that's not, it's not right. So going back to what are our particular gifts and talents and challenges and just being in the moment, the current moment, the now and connecting with that is is one of the secrets, I think. Mm -hmm. So thank you for helping people realize their own superpowers and, and going forward with that instead of trying to be cookie cutters because I think sometimes we just when we go into the 5d (laughs) we switch to this more spiritually aligned path we often just change our role models or the advertising so to speak of what something looks like what we're going towards and that's not to say that we shouldn't have role models but we need to have role models that are embodying their own unique gifts and talents and encouraging other people to do that too. So absolutely. And then secondly, one of the things on about your podcast I wanted to mention is I had had a reading with Caroline of the ninth house life. And I had mentioned that on one of my prior episodes 
she was on your podcast. I have not watched it yet, but I have, have no doubt that it was awesome. She is so down to earth. I don't know what I expected, but she was offering these free readings through Holisticism Hub. And I signed up and I don't know, I guess I just had this picture of her because she has a website and I had recognized her name as being mentioned. And then when she comes on the screen, she's on her couch in loungewear and maybe her hair is pulled back in a ponytail. And she talked to me, not as though she were some gifted guru that had the answers. It was really like a conversation where we were equals. And she really honestly was just trying to help and see what kind of messages there were for me, but not from this place of elevation. It felt so nourishing, nurturing, instructive. I got so much out of that reading. She had crafted a container, container of trust and comfort there. So yeah, I would encourage everyone to go and listen. She told me that she'd never been on a podcast before. That is so awesome that you had that, that privilege of being. Yeah. It was such a good conversation. It was all about intuition and clarity. And she just really clearly spelled out how it all works and made it so practical and tangible. So definitely recommend listening. Yeah. She has a very grounded energy. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I love how in the Lifestylist podcast, Luke's story ends his pods asking his guest this question. So I end my pods the same way. Who have been three teachers or teachings in your life that you might share with our audience that they could go research and also learn from. Okay. So definitely the first is going to be my astrology teacher. His name is Achuta Bhava Das. Now he's a, he's a monk in the Bhakti yoga tradition and he runs nightlight astrology. So if you go to YouTube and you type in nightlight astrology, you'll find his YouTube channel. He publishes the video every weekday. So tons of free astrology content there. And then his website too, nightlight astrology. I actually to take it way back to the beginning of the combo, you said like, what are your highlights? I was interviewed by him on his YouTube channel last week. That was really, really cool. So you don't really think of monks having access to laptops and computers and video cameras and stuff. It's interesting because yeah, you think of someone who lives this like life of isolation, but I think with the Bhakti tradition, you're able to live a family life and yet still have this spiritual life. So it's really beautiful. What I really appreciate about him, aside from the fact that he's a great teacher, is that his astrology approach is spiritual in nature. And he's very smart. He's very well researched and he's very committed to his spiritual life. So I really trust him as a teacher when it comes to astrology and spirituality. So absolutely nightlight astrology would be one teacher. Let's see. I think another teaching because a particular teacher is not really standing out to me right now. But another teaching would be to not project your power onto other people or teachers. So this is something that's kind of been coming up a lot for me, like in this conversation, but for me personally too, it's been a huge lesson is there, there are times when we need other people to help us learn stuff and help us go deeper, but ultimately it should be about learning about yourself. And, and you have to remember that you have the power, 
you have the power. This is actually something Caroline, Caroline and I talked about when we were talking about kind of using your imagination when it comes to connecting to your soul, right? That is happening in your imagination. And people get freaked out because they're like, am I going to see ghosts? If I try to connect with my guides, am I just opening a portal where anything could come in? Well, no, you have the power. You have the power to say, no, this is allowed. This is not. And I think sometimes, especially in spiritual communities, we can really give other people our power and say, oh, if I just sign up for this course, this membership, this, whatever, I'm going to get to wherever I'm trying to get to. And they might help you, but that's not where the power lies. It's within you. I think that's very important for us to remember, especially if we're on a spiritual path. And I guess the third, let's see. Ooh, okay. So this kind of came up for me this morning when I was doing my full moon tarot. The third thing I would say is don't let your past define you. Every day you get to decide who you want to be. And every choice you make is you saying, this is who I am. And I'm not saying that the past is unimportant. It does need to be witnessed. It does need to be integrated and accepted, but it does not define what you do today right now, unless you let it. So I know that might be hard for people to hear if they've had really tough past. And I know that's something I'm having to learn all the time and really internalize, but I've just found in my own journey that there are a lot of, a lot of painful things in my past that I've let determine what I do today. And it's, it's totally up to me, the extent that I let it do that. Right. So it kind of goes back to the second teaching. If you remember that you're in charge and that everything you do is like you declaring who you are and what you're going to be in this life, you really have the power right now. The past does not, you can let it inform, but don't let it control because ultimately you have the power. Sorry. Sometimes I like have a lot of random thoughts come up and I don't know if like some of those I just need to not say and just let them go. But it's for people who are looking for a book recommendation. I listen to audiobooks all the time with my daughter. Whenever we go somewhere, as soon as we pop into the car, we're turning on the audiobook to pick up where we left off last. And the book that we happen to be reading right now is called Restart by Gordon Corman. And it's an audiobook. It's done really well. And it's about this boy who was the worst of the worst bully. He's like, it falls on the 13 year old, worst of the worst, but he has amnesia. And he wakes up not remembering his past. And not only does he slowly have to realize the kind of person he was, but he also has to deal with other people's expectations mm-hmm. because they're used to the old him. Mm-hmm. And I guess why that's this coming up is that even though you in the moment may decide, okay, this is who I am. I'm not letting my past define me, whether I was the abuser or the abused, you may still have to deal with people around you that are used to a certain way of you being. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to, I'm just saying this to encourage people that they will come around. Yeah. So don't let their expectations of you define you either. So yeah, that's all I had to add to that. Yeah, that's important. And surrounding yourself with people who allow you to change and evolve and, and create those safe places for you where you can trust. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much. The next person isn't, next guest isn't even going to have to need to use the word because I've used it myself today <laughs> so many times. But oh, in closing, was there anything that you wanted to say? I guess the only thing I'd say is if you're interested in learning more about your birth chart, if you're already learning about your birth chart, my advice would be to take it slow, to, to trust your intuition when it comes to that. So don't feel like you have to take a particular path. If you're really curious about Mars, go learn about Mars and just let it be, let it be fun and allow yourself to take your time with it. Cause it's so tempting to just consume and do it all. And it's the work of a lifetime. So that'd be my advice for anybody interested in learning more about their chart. That is one of the reasons why I skip around because so, so many of these modalities they seem like they're pretty cut and dry, but the more you get into it, the more layered and nuanced it is. And it's really complicated. So yeah, keep it fun. And then realize that, like you said, context is everything. You were using it in the context of the lunar cycle. I was looking at my husband's chart and there was a placement that basically said, that he does not like routine. He does not like the same thing over and over again. But that's, that sounds like Dwight Schrute in the office. <laughs> False, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And you may be tempted to discount it altogether because my husband, he has the same favorite shirt that he wears. It's a running joke. Like if you see a picture of him 10 years ago and then today it's the same shirt <laughs> and he likes to go to the same restaurants and things like that. But if you look at this relationship between that planet and then Uranus, it gives you the surprising opposite of that. So he actually loves routine and, mm. and sameness and, and these kinds of things. So the things that you learn, if it doesn't immediately ring true for you, I'm just encouraging people to not throw the baby out with the bathwater. So yeah. Awesome. I love that. Well, Dana, thank you so much for joining me in Chefie's Sandbox. Much love to you. And I will see you in Holisticism Hub and Yay. on Instagram. Awesome. Thank you for having me.